Hello, historians. Happy Friday, and welcome back to A Daily Slice of History. I'm your host, Sean Cavanaugh. And I'm your host, Therese Shimkus. Now, today's topic is a hair late, but we still want to discuss it either way. With that being said, today's topic is Halloween and the history of it. That's right. So, getting into it, most Americans know Halloween in its current iteration, which consists of children going to doors and having candy passed out to them, right? Right. But what most people don't know and what I think is the case with many holidays, is that it actually has a very long history. It actually has origins dating all the way back to the Celts of the British Isles. This festival was called Samhain. That's right. This festival, Samhain, was originally held on November 1st and marked the end of the summer for the Celts. The Celts believed that on this festival, the world of the gods was visible to mortals and that the gods would play tricks on them. And they also believed that the spirits of the dead would come to our mortal realm, which might start to sound similar. Because of this, they made many rituals and sacrifices to protect themselves from the gods and to survive the season. In order to repel the spirits, they lit bonfires on the top of the hills to ward off those who had sinister intentions. And, this is very notable, people often wore masks to avoid being recognized by ghosts, which we still do today, although I don't think we're exactly hiding from ghosts. Now, the festival of Samhain would evolve over time. When the Romans conquered Britain, they merged their festivals with the Celtic ones specifically Feralia, where the Romans paid respect to those who were dead, and the second one being Pomona, which was the festival of the goddess of the harvest. In 1609 AD, Pope Boniface IV created All Martyrs Day to honor Christian martyrs who had died. Now, the date of this Catholic feast day moved from May 13th to November 1st. And when Christianity spread to the British Isles, the holiday would merge with the traditional Celtic festivals there. Many believe that this was an attempt by the church to replace Samhain with a church-sanctioned holiday. This is why All Saints Day has actually inherited some of the traditions from Samhain. Also, since the day before All Saints Day was hallowed, and the eve of All Saints Day, we get All Hallows' Eve, Halloween. Oh, that's why it's called Halloween. Okay, that makes sense now that I think about it. Well, anyways, moving to the celebration of Halloween in America. Originally, the holiday celebration was extremely limited in America due to the pre- great prevalence of Protestants in early colonial America, and it's being a holiday linked with the Catholic Church. The Protestants were predictably not too happy about it. Also interesting, October 31st is also Reformation Day, which might be a bit of a connection there. Really? Yes. I did not know that. I just found it out ye- yesterday when huh. there were a lot of people on Twitter talking about Reformation Day. I did not know that. Interesting. So actually, that's kind of a cool connection. Anyways, so in colonial America, the holiday was most celebrated in Maryland as it was a Catholic colony, or largely Catholic colony. Of course, some festivals and harvests popped up here and there celebrating the season, but nothing was very large. Until a large influx of Irish immigrants came to America and brought their Halloween traditions with them. This soon made Halloween a nationwide tradition. And by the late 1800s, Halloween completely lost its religious significance and became a holiday that was more meant for community and social gatherings. That was followed by a shift of its being a holiday for children. Now, I think we should talk about what Halloween is most famous for, trick-or-treating. Now, this arises in the 1920s as a way to have a cheap but community-wide event. And, of course, as the title implies, trickery was also a part of this process as well. Vandalism rose during this holiday season, and passing out treats often negated some of the vandalism. And from my research, apparently this vandalism was so prevalent that common pranks included placing farmers' wagons on top of barns. Seriously? Yeah, I, I don't even know how you do that. They didn't I'm, even have, like, cranes back. I mean, they had cranes, but not, like, our cranes. How are you going to play a prank like that without being discovered? The farmer just walks out in the morning and sees his wagon on top of his barn? How do you not hear that? 
I don't. Okay. Okay. It's more unique than egging cars. I'll give them that. And yeah, I'll give them that as well. These pranks were often usually limited to the countryside, but two major cities were plagued with these dangerous pranks. These pranks often include children saying fire, broken glass, and people being doused in flour. It got so bad that many cities almost banned the holiday. So, with this, this is how trick-or-treating became more prevalent. But with trick-or-treating, there is always the concern that the candy is somehow laced with a nefarious substance or that there are razors or other sharp things in them. However, I did read an article the other day that a lot of this is based in myth and that if someone wished to target children with drugs or things from their house, distributing candy on Halloween would be an incredibly ineffective way to do it if you were looking to target a specific child, which criminals are most likely to do. Yeah, I know about that. We learned about this in uh, criminal justice class, actually. It's called a moral panic. Oh, the reaction to the Halloween candy, which is, from what I read, largely unfounded. Also, you see how Halloween celebrations go from being centered in one place for the community to being spread out across the community at homes. And, fun fact, Americans annually spend $6 billion on Halloween. They can't all just be from candy. I mean, they have to be talking about the 20-foot skeletons that people are putting up this year. Stuff like that, too, right? I don't know. That I think it might be candy. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about how much candy you have to pass out, you know? If you have a big bowl, you know, those big bags, that's like, what, 10, 20 bucks? I guess. I don't know. That's just a very scary amount of money. Now, with that all being said, Therese, what's your favorite Halloween memory? Ooh, okay. I've got to say it has to be watching the Charlie Brown special, The Great Pumpkin, with my family pretty much every year. Always with popcorn, of course. And Ah, you? That's a good one. Oh, I remember one of my favorite Halloween memories is I think when Hurricane Sandy hit. Oh. I remember this. I uh, I was an angry bird. That was my costume that year. (laughs) And nobody had power, so I couldn't go trick-or-treating in my neighborhood. But my cousins had power in their neighborhood, so I went to their neighborhood and trick-or-treated there with my cousins. Oh, wow. That is much more dramatic than my Halloween memory. Yeah, I think one of my cousins was a Ghostbuster. I forget what the other one was, and I remember my little brother was a ninja. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. Anyways, the thing I'm most amazed about is the fact that this holiday, which is so such a part of the cultural zeitgeist in America now, actually evolved from obscure Celtic holiday. Pretty much. It's amazing how this holiday went from being an obscure holiday in a very small part of the world to now being a holiday that commands $6 billion annually. Well, that wraps it up for today, historians. Hope you enjoyed this episode, as I know we definitely did. Thank you, as always, for listening, and have a great day.